Hey guys, welcome to the Katie May Show. I am Katie May. I hope you are ready to keep it real and talk all things marriage because that is what I do. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey in the pursuit of having an awesome marriage and accepting nothing less for this one and only life we get to have here together. Let's do this. Okay, so ladies, and I'm sure some gentlemen on the podcast, um, welcome to a very special episode. And I am so, so, so freaking excited about this episode because I had it in my head and in my heart. And I was like, hey, do you wanna? <laughs> and she was like, yes. And I'm like, yes. And anyways, we're here. So who are we? I'm Katie May. I am the host of this podcast and uh, the Katie May Show. And if you are in my close-knit circle community, you are viewing this in my Facebook community, the, oh, what's my name? <laughs> the Intimacy Revolution. Thank you. I have like back-to-back -back clients today, guys. You are going to be patient with me. And we are going to get, we are going to enjoy this so much, but random words may come out of my mouth. So anywho, um, I am the founder and CEO of Katie May Coaching, and I help high achieving women experience and create the intimacy in the relationships that they long and desire to have. Brittany, my dear, Brittany is a, what did, what did, it was content genius and messaging strategies. I am so in love with that title um, because, and I've honestly, this is totally off topic, but important because um, I've, I've gotten so many compliments on my writing. Like Brittany and I are OGs and our mastermind, the Six Figure Society, shout out to Rebecca Lima. Um, but we, uh, she taught me so many things about content creation and writing. So I have to give her so many, so much credit for my ability to write. Um, and she truly is just uh, a genius at what she does. So I love that title. And she's a special friend of mine now that I'm very fortunate to have. And I've just been so incredibly blessed and impressed in watching you in your, just to be a part and witness like your journey of healing. Like I'm gonna get emotional over it. Um, but I'm so excited that we're gonna have this conversation because so many women need to hear it and witness it and experience it. And so um, why don't we start off by letting you explain a little bit about your story what you do, how, how, how you even came to start this business and why? Ooh, that's a big question. And I'm bad at talking too much. So I'm going to try to keep it sense. Um, really, I started in marketing as a copywriter in 2006. That is not a word typo. Um, I was hired as a copywriter for a digital or I traditional marketing agency because digital marketing wasn't so much a thing in 2006. Took my first copy gigs and wrote freelance pretty much from there on. I went full-time um, the first time in 2016. The most recent iteration of my business was in 2019. Um, 
and there, there was a lot of personal things going on that we'll talk about some, I'm sure. Um, basically some dominoes started toppling for me, um, personally. The first was I had a miscarriage, um, that was absolutely devastating, uh, both because of the, the loss, but also because of the emotional state that I had. Um, I was in a toxic marriage as the title suggests. And I had very mixed emotions about the miscarriage. On the one hand, I was very, very sad. I was also somewhat relieved that I wasn't bringing another child into a very toxic or negative situation. And then I was also very guilty at the relief. And I had just begun to wrap my head around the pregnancy and started to feel excited about the new life thing. When I had the miscarriage, it was a horrible tumble. Um, Wound up seeking therapy support for that. And that was the first time I ever heard someone say to me, it's not you, it's your environment. It's the situation that you are in. Um, And the tools that I got in those therapy sessions uh, at the very beginning of 2019 gave me a ton of personal agency. Um, And I started to find ways to either fix my situation or get strong enough to address the reasons why I had stayed in what I knew was a toxic situation. Most of those were financial. Um, so I pursued an in-person sales job. I'm very bad at in-person sales. We found out, uh, <laughs> and was like, I need to get back into marketing. I love copy. I always have, I again, done it for freelance, um, for many, many years. And so I started to pursue that at my first Um, investment in myself was a copywriting course that I thought was going to be more about making a business, but it wasn't. It was more about actual copywriting, which didn't so much need. Um, And then I joined Ryan Dowdy's group, um, which was the Uncensored Sales Program, went through that, became a coach in that program, and then invested in other uh, programs like Six Figure Society, grew my network. And in 2020, actually, October 14th, 2020, um, I went full steam ahead, completely full-time in my business, actually overnight. Um, my then husband, uh, attempted suicide and because of that situation, um, I needed to take time off of work to handle those things. Um, he obviously was not going to work after that incident. And so I had to figure out how to cover all of our bills. with no time off. Um, he had used up most of his time off during the 2020 furloughs and basically $1,600 worth of bills, $1,400 in the bank. I had to figure something out. I'm very proud of the fact that I did (laughs) figured it out, went full-time overnight, hustled my butt off and made it happen. What is so freaking impressive. (laughs) Thank you. I had lots and lots and lots and lots of support. And to anyone who is watching this, who was supportive of me, encouraging of me, referred me, some of y'all, your referrals paid my bills so many times, and I am incredibly grateful for it. Messages that I got just checking in on me, letting me vent, letting me express the things that I could, did not have spaces to express. Um, I had several people with therapy backgrounds reach out to me, offer me free sessions, let me vent, give me tools that I could not afford to pay for. For all of those things, I am deeply grateful and owe a lot of my success to the community and the support around me. So note one was getting my financial stuff in order, believing in myself enough to make it happen. But an absolutely integral part was the community that I had around me. And for anyone who is in any kind of similar traumatic situation, 
trust people, let people in, build community around yourself. Because whenever you don't have the steam to keep yourself rolling, they will be behind you and shove you, uh, <laughs> which is absolutely was invaluably helpful. I think too, if I stop you real quick right there, because I think what was so important and I'm from my own personal journey and other women that I work with is the integral part of getting that trusted for you therapist to be able to validate your feelings and help you learn about yourself. Because I also find what people will experience in these situations is um, a lot of times, look, we ended up in a toxic marriage or in a toxic relationship and situation because we didn't really know ourselves very well. We didn't heal our past wounds. And that is what, you know, ended up there. And then, and then your support system around you may not be awesome. And so maybe right. you struggle trusting your support system and listening to what they say. And what I, what I just heard you say and watched you do is you built like a whole new community by involving yourself in and around trustworthy, positive people, like the masterminds that you invested in, like, and those were people you could lean on and you could trust. And if these people are here willing to help me and push me, these are good quality, great people I can trust. Right. And so I think like, Absolutely. I really wanted to highlight that too, because I know people are in here being like, yeah, but I don't. I don't trust what these people are talking about and some, and maybe that's true. Right. Like, but, but get, get, it doesn't mean that you're stuck with the community you have either. There's plenty of ways to recreate that for yourself too. Um, Jenny says, I just got out of a horrible 10 year relationship, started hanging out with different people and more positive and just good energy. I am engaged now. And my first boyfriend to my first boyfriend in high school. And it really is your environment. So um, congratulations on getting out of that, Jenny, and, um, and your new engagement. So that's, that's, such, that's such cool, cool news. So on to the support part, you were saying you're blown away by that. Um, yes. You committed, tried to commit suicide, attempted, and mm -hmm. then you pulled everything together. What, I mean, what does running your business look like after, I mean, after that? Lots of compartmentalization, which is not the most healthy way to deal with things. But I, I feel like one of the parts of my journey that hopefully a lot of people can't relate to, I'm sure more than I would like to can, um, basically my entire universe crashed down all at the same time. So business had to rock and roll in a different way. Um, my marriage was definitely shape shifting towards an end, although I hadn't quite wrapped my brain around where that's where it was going. I, I had wanted it for a very long time to, to be out of that situation, but I think I had accepted being in it for so long that presuming an end wasn't possible for me until it was directly in front of me. Um, I also had, uh, I left my religious community at the time. Um, and so that involved a lot of identity shifting as well as family connection, shifting social community. Again, my in-person community, my in-person social network was very tied in a religious community that I could no longer stay in as I was doing a lot of this work on myself and starting to do things like feeling what was right for me in my body and learning how to respond to things in a, in a, in an empowered way, as opposed to in a people-pleasing way. It was really hard 
as much as I told Molly uh, Pruitt at my therapist that I love her so much, as much as I told Molly that the religious thing and the family thing was totally separate than what I was going through with the business thing and the relationship thing, she was right. It wasn't. And as I had told her and Sarah, it's really annoying when y'all are correct. (laughs) Um, I would prefer y'all to just throw us a bone every so often and say stupid things so that we can be like, no, you're not. (laughs) But when y'all tell us a thing and then you're right about it, that's kind of annoying. Stop being so good at your job sometimes. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But it is, it, it was my identity and learning how to give myself grace, radically accept who I am as neither negative nor positive, just am. Yeah. Yeah. And committing to working on the things that I could control um, and, and make a difference in that radically changed not only how I was showing up in my personal life and in my community and in my family, but also in my business when everything first happened, I unfortunately did not have a lot of privacy to an extent because when I got the call about my husband's attempt, and I generally say husband when I'm talking about the time where we were still married and then I say ex, it's just how my brain separates them. When I got the call about his attempt, it was in the smack dab middle of day three of my very first live high ticket launch. Like I was streaming when my phone kept ringing and I kept ignoring it. And then I got a text message from the interventional therapist at the facility. He was at saying that they had to talk to me immediately, or maybe it was, I think it was through his phone, but it was her, something like that. And so I like looked down, clearly distracted, looked down in the middle of my stream and said, hang on guys, there's a personal emergency. I'll be back. And then I wasn't back for five days. <laughs> I had a group of just under a thousand. I had, I don't remember how many people were registered for the challenge, um, but there was like 60 something people that saw it happen. And I got a myriad of text messages and DMs and like, are you okay? What happened? Um, I'm a parent. And so of course there was fears that something had happened to my boys or happened to my niece or, you know, something catastrophic had happened, which it had, but not as catastrophic as it could have been. So I did have to share what was going on um, with a probably larger circle than I would have. My default is to keep everything to myself. I like to take my problems, take my trauma, package it up really pretty, deal with the messy all by myself. And then present it as a beautiful package to the world and be like, okay, now here is the thing and I can share it now. Um, I've always called it reporting. Molly had a therapy word for it, but it was basically getting it to a a societally acceptable level of sharing before I shared. I was not able to do that in the situation. Looking back, that was one of the best things that happened again, because I was then able to accept the love and grace and support that my amazing community had for me that I had no way of predicting. I'd never expected that anybody could love me so self-sacrificially. I mean, even to the extent I had a friend that sent me 
an Instacart, like six months of Instacart for free. I had another who I knew wasn't like making money hand over fist, send me dinner, multiple. I, I feel like people bought dinner for me for like a week straight without me having to touch the kitchen. Um, several business colleagues had got together that were in one of the groups that I was in and they hired a cleaning service for me to come into my home and help me catch up. Like there was just so much support and all of the moms in business that I had surrounded myself with and tried to be supportive and and encouraging for, they then mommed me. And it was the most amazing and beautiful and empowering gift that I could have ever received. Again, I just keep going back to that. Sharing the things and talking about the things was incredibly embarrassing and very, very difficult, but it also allowed me to open up to the level of support that I needed both personally and to keep my business rolling. And that made all the difference in the world, again, both financially and personally, as I was moving towards processing the situation, handling the situation, and then, you know, healing, dealing slash healing moving forward. I mean, just the amount of everything you just expressed and explained on a verbal mapping, if you will, right? It's like, oh, and you're running a business. Yeah. Oh, and you're taking care of children, right? Like, I mean, it's it's just the amount of the amount of energy you would have just feeling just feeling yourself or yourself or and under those but then to continue on and know that you have to keep the business rolling or you don't have income like it's yeah it's I just yeah it's it's so it's so so very hard so I I noticed you talked about uh like you said you disappeared for five days right um, and I know there's an after he comes home story and continuing story, right? So first of all, before I get ahead of myself, when did you know that it was like, this has got to like, okay, I, I've, I've been through this. He's attempted suicide. I'm still running my business. I'm keeping the family together. You said you hadn't quite wrapped your head around, like, this is the time to leave. When was that time for you? Like, what, what did it take? There were were a couple couple iterations. Sorry, I'm echoing. Um, Is that better? And guys, let me know in the comments if the audio is acting funny, because I got a couple times of feedback. So just let us know in the comments if that's an issue. Um, Um, And this is Brittany Holt Morgan. I am always in awe of your strength Amanda McWhorter I love Amanda so much so um nobody's saying anything in the comments but I don't hear it on my end so okay cool it may just be my wi-fi um we had to reschedule this initially because my wi-fi yesterday just decided to not exist they hit a service line while they were doing some like road work across the way um yeah so when did I know (laughs) I knew a couple times. I knew a lot of times. There was several moments in my marriage where I knew that it was not a tenable situation. Mm-hmm. I feel like one huge, there was a couple of pivotal moments. And I feel like in a lot of stories that I've heard since becoming open about my story, um, because 
That's the other thing about being open is whenever you're open, other people can be open to you. So there were some people who did not come to me for support, but they came to me for community and for commiseration and to say, I am going through what you're going through and I'm not brave enough to talk about it. Thank you for talking about it. Thank you for making a space where I can share. Um, Hold a note to talk about mental health first Fridays that were a thing that happened. Like, like I'm going to, I'm going to make a note because we are both so ADHD (laughs) offers that offers that came or like things I, I did because of the situation that I would not have thought of otherwise. Um, I'm literally writing this down because I will not remember. I'm writing it down too. I'm going to Yay. So we'll remember this. Okay. The first internally pivotal moment that did not change any action on my part, but I did verbalize where I was at to a friend for the very first time was around my 10th anniversary. I was married for 13 years total. Um, We were together for 11. It just took a long time to get divorced. Around my 10th anniversary, I told a friend that if the next 10 years were going to be anything like the first 10, I, I couldn't imagine that. Like the, the, the depth of misery that opened, like the mental chasm that opened when I thought about doing the same thing for 10 more years was heartbreaking and devastating and awful. And I had not told anyone that I was that miserable. Um, I'm sure many people knew it. People that loved me and knew me knew that I wasn't myself. Um, but it, there was, that was definitely a, a moment of opening myself up again to share what my thoughts and my feelings were. And instead of getting judgment from her, she was kind of like, yeah, if I had been through what you've been through for the last 10 years, I wouldn't want to do 10 more either. That external validation helped a lot. The second one was the moment when, when I started individual therapy um, Blue Cross Blue Shield and its wisdom, but I feel like it was much more of a divine ordinance moment. Uh, I had applied to work with, or I signed up basically to receive therapy from a woman in a local practice. Turns out she was full. And so they transferred me to a male uh, therapist in her practice. And I always said he looked like a bigger version of TG Jakes, like, and he came from the prison system. He was real gruff, like huge dude. I loved him so much. But whenever he walked in, I was expecting like some lady named Stephanie. (laughs) And I was like, I'm here for like postpartum depression. I'm not sure how you're going to help me with my uterus hormone situation. And he was kind of like, I got a wife and some daughters. So if we click, we click. If we don't, we don't, you know, I'll help you find somebody else. He was absolutely the best person to work with me. Number one, because his no nonsense demeanor, I was so responsive to it. Number two, because he was able to talk to my husband in a way that he really needed to hear and make some headway. I think our second session, he basically said, hear you on the postpartum depression thing. This isn't how he said it. This is Brittany's hear you on what you're sharing with me, but don't feel like the postpartum depression thing is the core problem. Very similar to what Molly said two years later. <laughs> so that I feel like there are different types of depression. There's situational depression, there's hormonal or chemical depression, and then there is circumstantial depression. Maybe that's situational. I don't remember. There was like three different kinds and one is like your brain. One is what you're going through. And the other is like situation, all the things around you. Yeah. Um, 
And he felt like mine was truly, it wasn't this moment in time. It was all of the forces in my life. He said, I feel like there's an environment, environmental. He's like, I feel like there's an environmental component to what you're describing to me about your life and where you're at. And I would like to meet your husband. So we started couples therapy, which lasted two sessions before he fired us uh, because he said couples therapy is for two people. And if only one person is doing the work, it is no longer couples therapy. (laughs) He fired us after, fired us, he said that he would only talk to us individually. After he asked in a session what we wanted from the other. And my ex-husband listed a list of things, like a host of items that he needed from me in order to be happy. And I sat there absorbing all of these, knowing all of them to be true, be less ADHD, be a better housewife, be more moderate in the like way I treat my kids and um, the way I talk to him and the way I handle situations and less emotional and just all these things I wasn't naturally. And I was absorbing all of it and nodding like, yep, I need to do better on all of these things. And Wesley looks at me and says, okay, Brittany, what, what do you want? What do you need? And I couldn't answer. Or he said, what comes up for you? That's what he said. He said, what, what are you feeling? What comes up for you? He said, I can tell you're having a lot of feelings. I was curled into a ball around a pillow and my ex was like all sprawled out open. He brought that up to the body language difference, but he said, what comes up for you? And the, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And then at one point I was like, I don't care. I did care, but I just couldn't, like, I was so blocked. And I ended up, we, my ex had driven from work. So we drove home separately and I ended up having a full on panic attack on the way home. Hmm. and I called Wesley it was like I I can't breathe I feel like I'm having a heart attack he talked me through the panic attack and he said I I needed to know he said I could tell you weren't safe expressing he said what was actually going on for you in that moment I, I need to know and I said all I could think was that it's very surprising to me that I'm getting emotional all I could think was that if I marked every item off that list for him, he would be happy and I would still be miserable. And there was not a list in this world with him that I felt like could make me happy. And he said, well, I'm off the clock. And as of that last session, I am no longer going to be able to provide couples therapy for both of you. Um, he said, and since I am currently, I told you my earring is going to fall out. <laughs> As I am currently no longer your therapist. Sorry, before I forget that it's down there. Um, I can tell you that if you were my daughter, I feel like you know what I would say. Or my daughter's friend, I feel like you know what I would tell you. And I said, you would rent a U-Haul? He said, it would be pulling up to your home right now. Uh-huh. To hear him tell me, and we had ended up having a few more individual sessions later. To hear him tell me that I was not the problem was the first time I'd ever heard that in my entire life. Because I was raised very, very, very conservative Christian, very conservative Christian. And the assumption of guilt, just existential guilt. 
was very deeply in me. Mm-hmm. Being ADHD, I had gotten my entire life report cards that says great potential doesn't work to it. Mm-hmm. I'd heard all the ways in which I wasn't doing the things I needed to do to be successful despite my efforts my whole life. And I, of course, took that identity and built my marriage to someone who had a lot of his own trauma and issues. I have so much more grace for this individual and the really terrible things that he went through. I understand now that a lot of what I experienced with him was a result of unhealed trauma and his unhealed wounds and needs. But I also understand that I was not responsible for the impacts that that had on my life and the injuries to my soul that resulted. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I think that's such an important statement, especially with the nature of the topic right now. And the people who are going to hear this and listen to this is like, we all have hurt and we all, to, to some degrees, we all have trauma from our past that is impacting us on a daily basis, but you can have compassion without tolerating mistreatment. Yep. Right. So I lo- thank you. Cause I think that's just important that people like make that distinction is like, and I think too, I was raised Christian. It wasn't a strict religious. It, I mean, I'm very faith-based spiritual God relationship, right? That's, um, and in, I think in the church too, it's misconstrued a lot in the sense of this could go on a whole other topic of, how you do, like God hates divorce, right? And that keeps us in unnecessary situations so much longer because we miss, and this is for the faith-based ladies in here too, who are maybe in a really toxic relationship and staying in it for the wrong reasons because above all else, over and over and over again, the Bible says and shows that he loves us more than law. Not, not that we're exempt from it, but like, if, if we, if he doesn't ever want his children to be abused or hurt, he plenty of times, if you look through biblical teachings and, you know, conversations with his disciples, he urges them to get out of harm's way, right? Like on the Sabbath, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to harvest or eat and they're eating wheat. And, you know, the Pharisees are freaking out and he's like, they're hungry. Like you're missing the whole point of scripture here. You guys, like it's love, it's giving, it's, This isn't like, oh yes, the law is for this so that we focus on God and our love and ourselves, but it's not to at the cost of suffering for our children. Right. And so I think I just felt the need to go into that too, because I know for even, even my, my sake, right. I stayed a lot longer than I needed to, um, for many reasons, but I think that that gets misconstrued a lot of times with people who have been brought up in the church. And for, for many reasons, right? Also, just, I know we're like going back to the thing, but on that note, First Corinthians 7 has a get out of jail free card when it comes to divorce. If an unbelieving spouse leaves the believing spouse, you're free. Well, there's abuse, there's yep. adultery, there's, so there are plenty of get Spousal out. Spousal abandonment, oh yeah. Options in the Bible. But um, I think too, like you, said so much in that that I was like oh my gosh (laughs) like you like I love that you painted the picture of like the the stories you had in your head that even just landed you in this and ladies listening 
This is so important for you to pay attention to because whether I'm working with somebody who's in a toxic relationship and working to rebuild themselves and their mindset and empowering them from that point, or they're in a healthy relationship, this is the importance of doing that individual work because you've got to figure out what wounds went unhealed and what mindset and beliefs got you to accept this treatment and attract this person and be attracted to this person or you repeat it. Yep. And you will repeat it in relationships and in business. If you don't know how to stand up to yourself for yourself, to your parents, to your partner, if you don't know how to create good boundaries in your life, like I feel like relationships are relationships are relationships. They just look a little differently. You don't have good boundaries in relationships. And we've talked about this whenever I was like pushing you towards like that, that empowered woman stuff that I I felt like was your calling (laughs) because if you don't have great boundaries with your spouse or your parent or your children, how will you have good, great boundaries with an overbearing coach, a crappy client or a bad employee? No. If you can't stand up for yourself with an overbearing parent, a toxic spouse, a demanding child, how can you stand up for yourself with a coach, a client, or an employee? Those patterns, because regardless of how many businesses you have, where you show up in your life, you are still you. Yep. And you carry you as an ADHD person. I regret this deeply, but I am me regardless of where it is. I bring the same hurts, the same trauma, the same patterns, the same creativity, the same whimsy, the same quirkiness to every situation in my life. It may look different. I may, you know, present it one way versus another, but I'm the same person. And so I have to be aware of my patterns. I have to own my behavior. I have to own my communication at every single area and understand that for every piece that is me, this is that radical acceptance stuff I had to work on for forever. And I'm still working on you're, you're done. (laughs) (laughs) Who's done? No one. I had to, then I do do (laughs) now I will have to in future. I am currently evolved, constantly evolving. So I have to keep accepting myself, but I have wonderful qualities that are really helpful to myself and my clients. And then I have things that hold me back and I have to be super aware of them. I have to develop like skills to identify them and improve on what needs to be improved on and give myself grace for when I blow it all up. I had to learn that. And I can see from 2019 to 2022, because we haven't even talked about the business imploding part yet. Learning that I wasn't the problem, like being able to go back to voicing that I was not happy and that I like was so unhappy to the point that I was just eaten up with regret over the fact that I had married this man that then hearing that I wasn't the problem from someone who was objective, from someone who was an authority figure, from someone who was seeing me objectively and was also hearing my husband's side of it, which like when it comes to family and friends, sometimes you can talk yourself out. And especially if you were going through verbal and emotional abuse, it is so easy to see their side of things because you're hearing their side and you're shutting down. So you're never truly getting to verbalize your side. So getting to hear that from someone, hugely powerful. And then I feel like the third moment was just when he, in not in anger, not in a fight, when my now ex-husband asked me if I wanted to divorce and my answer was yes, please. (laughs) But that conversation was precipitated by, again, this is months after his 
um, after his attempt, he started going through really intensive therapy and about a month and he quit. And we had this conversation where he's like, I, I can't change for anybody but myself. And I heard I'm done changing for you. Yeah. And this is, you know, a year and change almost two years after. So that's so hard because he's absolutely right. And I, and I want to highlight that because so many women are in here and they have like the husbands that are like, Oh, if you're going to leave me, I'll go to therapy. You know, like, so on one hand, he's absolutely right. He, he cannot change for anyone but himself and ladies, you can't, this is why we can't force them to right? which sucks in so many ways for so many reasons. But what he said in that statement was, I'm not willing to change really. Right. And, and And all I could see was how I had bent over backwards for this marriage, for this family, for my dreams of what my future could look like, because I had grieved my marriage a long time ago. Mm -hmm. I grieved my marriage. I had a couple different moments of full on breakdown grief where I grieved the situation that I was in, where I grieved the end of what I had hoped and dreamed for. Then I had to grieve the, what wasn't going to be able to happen. Like my kids being in a two parent home. That was December 5th, 2020. That's when I knew I was basically done. He was making a ton of decisions that were very much against everything that he had been recommended as part of his therapy, his medication, all all of these things just really bad decisions he needed to that was what he needed to do for him and again I I just please do not get I mean the amount of grace I'm able to give is from a lot of work on myself and on him and it's me being out of it um I had to be a lot harsher in those moments I'm sorry I'm plugging things in and I'm my (laughs) thing to spell um I did have to be a realist, but I'm able to be a realist with a lot more grace now um, that I'm safe and I'm out. This was would not have been a helpful mindset for me while I was in it. I had to be a lot more blunt with myself and have a lot more like myself focused language at that time. Now I can be a little bit more gentle towards him and hopefully my plug in. There we go. Um, but I, I realized in that moment that what I needed and what I wanted wasn't going to be possible in this situation as agonizing as that was. And then I found, it was a couple months later, I found some conversations and things that on taken just completely separately from the situation that we were in might not have been that bad, but in context, they were that bad because of the work that I had done on myself, because I had addressed my three main reasons for staying, which were, I meant to talk about this earlier and I forgot. My three main reasons for staying as long as I did was financial fear of being able to take care of myself and our kids. Second was, is it right? So again, um, going by my very conservative upbringing, the church, society, family, all the things I did not want people to have to know that I had failed this hard And, oh, I guess the third one was actually part of that. It was the what people think factor. Mm -hmm. So could I afford it? Was it right? What would people think? As I was doing the work on myself, those three things shifted radically. Again, I was proving to myself, he, and my dad said, well, then him making this attempt was one of the worst decisions he could have made for multiple reasons, because it 
made me prove to myself that I could do it financially. The what people think factor, again, went out the window because whenever your literal survival and, and taking care of your kids is on the line, what Betty Sue down the road thinks of how you're doing it ain't important anymore. Right. And the was it right piece, as I was going through the, these identity shifts and learning how to accept myself and truly listen to what I thought was right and believed what was right in my soul and in my relationship with God, that shifted the conversation massively and allowed me to see paths forward that I could not see before, both from a survival standpoint and then also from a, my view of the world is different now. I told Sarah Buner in a podcast episode that we recently did, um, it was like looking down hallways, whereas before, because of my need for safety and security, I could only trust the glass doors. I had started to build a trust within myself to advocate for myself, to take care of myself and my kids, that I could open doors, I could walk through doors that were no that were not glass. Hmm. Because I trusted myself to handle whatever came next. And I had to build that over time. So when I confronted my husband about these text messages, I literally held my phone up with the screenshots of the messages that I had seen. And I actually had seen them twice. Um, I um, had like a spidey sense of things going on at the beginning of April, mid-April. And I checked his phone while he was asleep because while he was in uh, the mental health facility, I had access to all of his things. Um, I checked his phone, found these messages, told one of my friends about it and not really dealt with it again. And then she made mention, like, you probably need to take some screenshots in case this doesn't work out and there's issues in custody or court or whatever, and you need this evidence. So I, I went back to, to, to do that and take those screenshots. Some things had been deleted, but most of it was still there. I held my phone out with the screenshots of the conversation that I'd seen, the messages that I had seen. And I told him so calmly, I said, I, ha I have come to the realization that I am worth and deserve the same care and respect and boundaries that I have shown you and held for you for the last 11 years. And I'm coming to realize that you don't consider me worthy of the same. And it was real quiet in my room. And basically he talked through why he didn't feel like it was a problem and why it was wrong. I talked through why I could not accept that as his response, as his wife. And he asked if I wanted a divorce. He had asked me, I think this was the third or fourth time. I think it was the third. I'd like to believe it was the third because I like things in threes. He had brought up divorce since that moment in December where he let me know that he wasn't going to be doing any more healing stuff. Yeah. But it was the first time that it was calm. It was the first time that it was in anger. It was the first time that I didn't think he was going to turn around and be like, oh, I didn't mean it. And so I said, yes, please. He, <laughs> he talked to his therapy team about it he had a very different idea of what it was like to live separated than I did. He wanted to still be very much a part of my life and the kids' lives. And I didn't know how to tell him, I don't want that. Um, I need more separation than you coming over and having dinner with us all the time. And then he got a job offer that uh, was for a traveling tech position that a buddy of his had recommended him for that would move him 16 hours away for five months. 
and he took it and he was gone within two weeks. And when he moved out, he didn't pack anything beforehand. I think he thought I was going to. <laughs> he just took all of his clothes out of the closet and dresser, not even all of them, just a lot of them, threw them in a bag the morning he left and came back to the house like twice for things and then realized he'd forgotten something else. And again, still considering like treating me like a wife, even though he wasn't treating me like a wife. Um, the third time he realized he had forgotten something, he called me from the road. I asked if he was coming back for the, the paperwork or whatever he needed. He said, no, just scan it and email it to me. I'm already on the interstate. And I walked up the stairs and I laid like crucifixion style, just flopped starfish on my bed. And I breathed deeply and fully for the first time. And I don't remember how long. Mm -hmm. And there was a whole process of healing and growth and stuff that had to happen. But that was an incredibly long answer for the question. When was my moment? It wasn't a moment. It was an evolution of self and identity and strength and self-compassion and self taking care of myself -ness. <laughs> it was this I had to develop this identity of I am the kind of person yeah. who can handle whatever gets thrown at me I have always been the kind of person who can handle whatever gets thrown at me and so regardless of if this is the right choice or the wrong choice I'm gonna figure it out yeah. and I've got me and I've got my kids yeah. and it was that feeling that led me through every business decision, every time I showed up to network, whenever I didn't feel like it, every time where I trusted my community to handle my story, every time where I used what I had been through to create an offer, which again, happened a couple of different times. And every time where I spoke up and advocated for myself or when I owned my mistakes and the times, because there was a lot of times where I had agreed to a project that I couldn't complete because my brain was too bleh, where it was too much for me. Yeah. And there was a lot of times where I had to have the strength to reach out to an angry client who was also in a couple of different times, a, a colleague or a friend and say, I'm sorry, I'm trying, but I'm not going to be able to do this. Or I failed. I didn't do this. All of those moments of allowing it to have the chance to be terrible, not having to do that thing where I wrap everything up perfectly and tie it with a bow and present it, where I allowed the real to be what it was and trusted myself to handle the consequences, that shift of trust and identity was the moment. That moment just took like, I would say three years start to finish yeah. for that evolution to happen. And yes, again, this whole time I'm, I'm dealing with a business, I'm dealing with a special needs child, I'm dealing with a teenager who showed up in my house <laughs> and got her through college and my own mental health, my own identity shift. And it was a lot and it was a lot all the time. But I built a solid support system around me and I realized and invested in the, the center point of my support system is me supporting me. Yeah. Accepting me, loving me, good, bad, and ugly, 
realizing what I can work on, but saying, Hey, everybody's got stuff to work on. This is my version of it. And I'm going to continue to put myself out into the world, even though I know it's not going to be perfect. And even though I know it's not all the time going to be what I feel like I'm capable of. And I got to let that be okay. And when I flub it up, because I did and I do, and I'm going to keep doing it and I'm sorry, but it's going to happen. I'm worthy anyways, and I'm strong anyways, and I got me anyways. I, I, I would, I don't know. I mean, I kind of want to challenge you on that a little bit. I'm sure you do. In the sense, in the sense of, (laughs) I, everything you said was amazing, except for the fact that you're, yes, we're never perfect. So of course we're going to make mistakes, right? But where you are today who you are today, because the Brittany I met when I was what, 2020, when I was just getting yeah. started in business, your energy, your personality was completely different. I yeah. mean, it's still Brittany, but you were like, the, the way I can, ex- I, I don't know if this is like, it's almost like a hollow, somewhat hollow version of yourself right? Like you, you, the amazingness was in there. We got glimpses of this amazingness and like always loved you to pieces. Right. It was like, but then there was still just like a part of you in comparison yeah. then to here now on the outside, looking at you're just like this whole vibrant, just amazing human being because you just don't have that weight, you know, yeah. like, and, and the sure. work that you've done on yourself, I just don't, I don't believe that you're going to go back, you know, rock back into business and continue that same pattern, continue that same living. You were, you were just out of this trauma and healing your past and present trauma, you know, just walking through all of it. So there's definitely pieces that were like trauma and situationally related. And then there's pieces that are minor divergence. And me, I, I have this con- kind of consistent pattern of uh, over-promising uh, or over-committing <laughs> myself. So I have to recognize that there are things that I'm, I am carrying forward that are kind of pieces of me that I have to continue to work on. And I don't think that my flub-ups or my imperfections are the same in any way, shape, or form. I just know that part of me accepting me yeah. Is not denying that flub ups and failures are going to happen, but it is acknowledging that they will. And this is for me. And this isn't, some yeah. people may not have to do this to the extent that I do yeah. because it holds me back a lot. The, what if I can't holds me back so much. Gotcha. My current partner who is amazing told me for a recent job change decision that I was making, he's like, let it be good for you. Give it the chance to be good for you. Because there is a part of me that even though I've done all this work, I spent 11 years in, I've spent two years out. Mm-hmm. And even before my ex, again, I had a, a lot of identity things that were wrapped up. So I spent kind of like 32 years in and one year in transition, two years out. So there are still default habits, especially when I'm tired or when I am in an emotional trigger zone, I was diagnosed with CPTSD. And so I have like 
emotional like body flashbacks i won't have necessarily like hallucinations but i will have moments where in very neutral situations i will react very not neutrally because my brain is expecting is thinking that i need to be protected from a threat that no longer exists and so for me accepting the possibility of those events is incredibly important yeah for me moving forward and i i know that for everyone it's different and i i do look at myself totally differently and i celebrate my strength in so many ways but part of that for me is is that realization of even if it's not yeah still i'm worthy still i get stuff done and still i'll figure it out amen (laughs) no facts that's that's such a good way to put it. I just, I always hear like, and I'm always so aware of language and what we tell mm-hmm. ourselves and what we reinforce ourselves, right? It's like, but it is, you're absolutely right. Like to be able to have that awareness and say like, hey, if I even try to deny that I'm I, the permission for me to be able to make mistakes or things not go well, I mean, I feel like everyone needs to understand that that's just, I can't tell you how many times I'm on calls with women who are drowning in their own standard for perfection. So that's, that's the whole podcast in and of itself. But, but I love that. I love that you painted that picture. And, um, there was one thing I wanted, I was, we were going to go up oh, Amanda, sorry, comments. <laughs> Amanda had said that the, that was the, one of the reasons that I stayed so long in my marriage. When I decided to file for divorce, my pastor sat down with me and had the most healing talk with me. That is awesome. And I'm so glad that you had that support and experience, Amanda. Um, I mean, it's awesome that he sat down and it was a healing conversation. Um, and Greta said, yes, I learned relationship boundaries from you, Katie, and it totally impacted work as well Mwah. love you yes thank you is here too Greta's in the house we got a lot of <laughs> what's up <laughs> My um but I was gonna say too going back to I know oh here's what I was gonna ask you of work we are at an hour but we started late so are you are you okay on time oh yeah <laughs> okay I don't I'm have like, kids for two weeks go for a while. Benefits of bits of divorce <laughs> mixed emotions right now for me mixed emotions but it gets yeah. easier it gets easier oh of course mine were also being absolute heathens for a week so <laughs> it's only been two days since they left I'll I'll feel better or I'll I'll get more sad about it as time goes on um I know that there are women listening to this and they're thinking like their their fear is that their business will collapse as a result of this right and- <laughs> And I, and so I, I'd like to hear your perspective on now you're out of it. It's always hindsight's 2020, right? Yeah. So can you uh, talk, shine some light on what decisions were around you shutting it down for a little bit and how that helped you and so on and so forth? Yeah. So I talked a lot about support, 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 but I ran my business completely by myself you will notice the disparity in those two things. Um, So I hit this point. I also had, I feel like I keep adding layers of bad things. 
Um, everything was pretty much rocking and rolling. There was a couple red flags um, or things that if I could go back and do differently, here's what I would do differently. Number one was systems and support much, much earlier. Greta's probably screaming at the screen right now. Um, systems, support, automation, don't make your brain the foundation of your business, especially if you're like me and your brain is spicy and prone to squirrel off, right? Harness the things that work for you. Be honest with yourself about the things that don't work for you and make a plan for the things that don't. Some of the things that worked really well for me was making space for these kind of conversations. I did, and this was the note that we wrote down earlier. I did these mental health first Fridays where I basically created opportunities. Look at me. It's because I had to post a note for me. Um, (laughs) See, understand your brain, make a plan for when your brain's probably not going to work, like writing things down. Um, I created these spots where I reached out to licensed professionals, had them talk about a thing they wanted to talk about in the realm of mental health and business for 30 minutes or so. And then I would turn the recording off and only the people that were there live could have kind of a round table and talk about things with the support of someone who was trauma informed and licensed to be able to support during those conversations. Because of what I had been through, I understood the danger in trusting someone who does not have that training to be a support person in a highly traumatic, highly potentially triggering situation. Those were amazing. Those were free. They were in my group for a number of months. As far as offers, I did not hidden for the holidays. I actually came up with that offer the night that I was trying to figure out how to make $1,600 or $1,400 of dollars (laughs) expand over $1,600 worth of bills. And I was like, I wish there was a community that I could be in. I would even pay for it just to have the encouragement and some frameworks and ideas and support to just show up while everything is so heavy. This was happening in November. I knew we were going into the holidays. So the brilliant idea came to me of, well, honey, if that's what you need, why don't you just build it yourself? I was like, oh, that's a thought. Built it, launched it within 24 hours, it sold out. Because everyone needs that kind of support. Also, because I, I, there were some, probably some pity sales too. I'm just being honest. (laughs) Money's money, babe. (laughs) Hey, and hey, and it sold like three years in a row. So I'm not complaining. So I was in some ways I was like taking this impetus and like making it work for me. And then in some, I was not doing as well. Um, in 2022 was really when the cracks in the foundation started to show for one being scared is a great, like instant fuel, but it is not a great sustaining fuel. No. After a while you get used to being scared and my fears had changed and I was no longer running on some of the, the sustaining fuel. I had not made great decisions. Again, I was coming from a trauma place, so I'm giving myself massive grace for this, but it is what it is. Um, there were ways in which I could have been a lot smarter and, again, built out systems and automation to keep my business running regardless of where my brain was. Yeah. And then I had a couple things that made me really have to stop and examine these cracks. A couple of them, I won't get into to the level just because they're traumas that I'm not super comfortable with jumping into, which probably being as I've talked about like suicidal ideation at this point, lets you know the 
the depth of seriousness that they were for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like earth shattering, rocking, especially on top of everything else I'd already been through, world exploding kind of things. Less than a month after the world exploding thing happened to me, um, I had a massive injury. I had a sports injury in my laundry room in which I shattered my knee doing laundry because I'm me and that kind of thing happens. <laughs> and so all of a sudden I'm now wheelchair bound trying to figure out if my uninsured self is going to have to pay for a massive surgery. <laughs> Not two weeks later, I made just kind of an offhand comment um, about a friend, business colleague that had had her entire program stolen. And I didn't mean it to be violent because I'm me and I make dark humor kind of jokes, but apparently Facebook thought it was violent and they banned me from Facebook and Instagram, which was my primary source of income for 30 days, meaning I also could not manage clients' accounts. In one day, in one day, like in, in, I won't even say a 24 hour window, it was like a six hour window. My lights got shut off. Found out it was going to be over $2,000 just to see the specialist to determine if I needed surgery because the first two doctors I had seen said that my damage was too extensive for them to handle. I was paying for all of this out of pocket. I was paying out of pocket for them to tell me they couldn't help me, which was super fun. Love the American healthcare system. And I got really, really bad news about the whole traumatic explosion thing. And Again, I I said at the beginning of this that my default was to shut down and hide. Mm -hmm. And the combination of things that were snowballing on top of me in a very, very short period of time, all the healing and identity work that I had done to that point was I had a lot of great boundaries and fences, but this was an avalanche. And I went very fully into some of those old unhealed patterns for safety and security, because in that moment, my brain knew that what I needed was to be inside of it very safely. And as of March, 2022, I did not make any more offers. Um, I managed the clients, the one-to-one clients that I had on hand Um, in May, even though I had found out um, my, my knee was doing better. I was rehabbing it. I was still on crutches. A lot of the time I'm still in a really full brace Um, I had managed the light situation. I got that managed the same day, actually. (laughs) And I had handled a lot of the, some of the personal things, but I was still working through some of the repercussions of it. Um, I just knew that I needed something different. And I talked to Mecca Palfrey, um, who does career coaching. I was, I let her know that I was thinking about quitting entrepreneurship and going back to my W2. And basically that financially was getting to a point where I had to make a decision. Like, am I going to look for a full-time job with stability and benefits? Again, health insurance was because of my knee, very important to me at this point. Um, or was I going to get myself together as I was mentally and very unkindly calling it in my head. And she gave me these amazing words. She said, you're not quitting. You're diversifying your income. 
as entrepreneurs, a lot of us have heard that take seven streams of income to become a millionaire. I needed to diversify my income. Love it. My situation, entrepreneurship. So good. Did not fit my situation. I needed a different stream of income. I needed a team around me. I needed a boss to take some of the decision-making off of my shoulders. I needed stability. I needed a paycheck coming in every two weeks to be able to like take a break from the hustle and focus on me. That was absolutely the right decision for me. I'm not even in the same W-2 that I got into. Not even in the same, because it was a really, it was an agency situation. It was a lot of work. I got to play at massive scale. I'm super thankful for the opportunity. I loved for nine months. I had a great team around me. I had amazing people. I got to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars a week of other people's ad money and got to play with content and copy at scales I have never gotten to before. I probably will never get to again. I had celebrities for clients. It was awesome. It so was cool. it was an investment in yourself on training for crying out loud. Like you got you not only got the stability and mm-hmm. the like the peace of mind that you needed, yeah. right? But you also chose your w2 very wisely and you got and like a lot of education for you to come come back even stronger too i think one of the most important lessons from all of this but especially that part of my journey like the piece of development that i had to do and apparently i'm bad at like understanding lessons before i've lived through them I'm sure some people can relate well, I think most again i had built this i can handle it you know, whatever throws at me, I can handle it. But this was more of a, I, I have been at times called stubborn. Oh, you're not, what? (laughs) I love how everyone's reaction to this is so much more duh than I expect. That's okay. Everyone has the same, same response to me, girl. So, you know, right here. When I decide a course of action, I just feel like I've got to like see it through, you know, and I I guilt myself really hard if I don't, but sometimes it's okay for the 2020 decision to not be right for the 2022 situation. In 2020, I needed the flexibility of my business. I need the support of my business community. I needed the ability to make more money quickly. Mm -hmm. And I didn't need the consistency as much because I had other things going in 2022. I needed stability. I needed consistency. I needed a team around me and I needed to not be the person making the decisions. In 2020, I needed control. Mm -hmm. I needed to trust myself. I needed to be at the reins. I needed to be able to direct things for myself and my kids. In 2022, I needed to let go of that control and trust that I could figure it out and survive even if I wasn't the person driving the boat. I like had to learn like that resiliency and trusting myself in multiple kinds of situations. I love that. And again, when I was trying to leave the agency world, which is amazing, but also incredibly high intense and difficult for a single mom, because kind of got to be on all the time. Um, my partner, I, I was looking at this new job opportunity. I wasn't sure about it. There were some, some things I was like yellow flags, I guess. And my partner was like, let it, let it be good. Let it be good, but I trust you and respect you and, and know that if it is bad, 
you'll do just like you have done every other time where something didn't pan out the way you wanted it to. And you will adapt and overcome. And I think one of the traps that we fall into is we have this like perfect version of ourselves or our marriages or our businesses or our lives in our head. And it's like, we're trying to achieve that dream when really peace and happiness and contentment and the, the feelings that we're actually chasing, that the desires that we're actually chasing can exist in our every single or our everyday messy lives because it doesn't have to be perfect to be good. Yep. And I can trust myself to build good. And I can trust myself that when good starts to break, I can build good again. And in every situation, no matter how messy it gets, no matter how much I, again, flub up or whatever, I trust myself to make a new plan and figure it out. No matter what, my core identity at this point is I'm tough. I got me. I got my kids. But you're not hard. And that I see in you too, which is so cool because that's, I mean, um, there's just, there's so many ways you can come out of a situation like you did. Right. And, um, like, have you, have you heard of the, oh, I'm going to, I forgot his name. I'm going to have to send you this because it's like such a good podcast, but, um, he tells the story of the egg, the carrot and the coffee bean. Have you heard of that? I think so. It's like, what happens when you put them in boiling water? Yeah. Right? The carrot gets soft. The egg gets hard. The coffee bean now literally changes what the water is. You literally can't call that water anymore. You call it coffee, right? So there's only one agency within those three things that creates a total change within its environment, right? because you changed to such a degree. You had a choice to get really hard and bitter and upset and withdrawal and just stay in that survival time. And you had a choice to just get really soft and be a victim and poor me. And you would have been completely justified in either one, right? Like anyone listening to this podcast can listen to that. And, I, and I'm saying this because I think so many people need to understand you actually have a choice. And you chose the very much longer and more complicated, but so much more fulfilling road of truly looking at your wounds and healing them and giving your ex grace, not continuing to drink the hate poison, right? Like, hey, I'm going to release him. I'm going to forgive him. I'm going to find peace within myself, which opened up the doors for so much beauty in your life, right? Like today. There's not a way for you to know this because I don't ever talk about this, but of all the things from my journey inside my soul, that's the one I'm most proud of because I'm, I still feel like me. I feel like I reclaimed who I was, who I was meant to be all along throughout all of this and throughout. Yeah. I love that. All of the things that happened to me, I still love so hard. Mm -hmm. I'm still silly and quirky and annoyingly goofy. And and it has gotten the wind knocked out of me a few times. But there is a 
toughness in who I have chosen to be. It's resilience. Yeah. It's, it's like, I'm committed to, I'm committed to this growth and I'm committed to I just, I told Molly, and I've said this uh, again, I I'm, I feel like I'm repeating some of the things I said with Sarah, but I told Molly forever ago that my goal was to, because I had lived so long with regret, my goal was to build a life for myself that was so good, not perfect, but so good that I no longer looked at the paths that led me there with shame and regret. Because had I chosen different paths, I would be somewhere else. And I didn't want to be somewhere else because where I was was so good. I fully committed to that. In doing so, I had to let go of a few things. I had to let go of the need to be right. I didn't need to win the divorce. I did win the glow up. <laughs> I didn't need to win the divorce. I didn't need to be right. I didn't need to win custody. I didn't need to win. Um, I didn't need to win child support. I didn't need to win the biggest business. I didn't need to be right in every single thing. I had to let go of those pieces of me that had been very deterministic of, of how I operated. I just wanted to be good. And there was a couple times where people in my life did not agree with how I was operating. Yeah not fighting certain things, you know, having the relationship with, with my ex that I, I do now, but I'm so glad because I feel like those things that I was just like, yeah, no, um, I know what I want and what I want is peace. What I want is joy. What I want is to listen to my body, mm-hmm. listen to my spirit, listen to my soul and figure out what's right for me in this decision and pursue that with dogged determination, not external validation, not some amorphous idea of right, not some trappings of success. Yeah. I have to look at my situation, understand myself, understand what I'm responsible for, which is my children and my life and commit to making that the best that I possibly can make it. Mm-hmm. And I am so freaking proud that I'm looking back at all the different iterations of me over the last 34 years. And I feel like every single one of them would be proud of me Mm -hmm. because I made it here, but I didn't sacrifice who I am. Instead, I found her and I invested in her. And every time I got knocked down, I picked myself back up and we kept going. And again, I don't, the biggest shift deep inside is not just in business or in personal or in all of these things. It's feeling at home in myself. When I look in the mirror in last year, I did a, it was like a little TikTok challenge where it was like, do your three-year pictures. And what everyone had been saying that they see, you know, they saw joy in my eyes and things like that. I saw because I looked at pictures for myself from 2019 and how my face was smiling, but my eyes were just yeah, very flat and hollow and cold and old and tired from here up. I just looked exhausted all the time and I would be smiling and I would be doing all the things, but it didn't reach my eyes because it, I was tired. 
and I just, I feel so proud of the fact that I got her out. Mm-hmm. And again, I, that she is me, that like all this was in there that whole time. All of this was in there when I was, when I was 19 and making the decision to, to marry someone that I didn't need to. All this was in there when I was eight and identifying myself as lazy and, and stupid because I wasn't living up to my potential. All of this was in here when I was 30 and 32 going through just absolute hell with no way of knowing if I would survive it. And I, I'm really thankful every single day for the realization that I came through it better and stronger and still myself and still full of joy and hope and willing to give and willing to love and willing to open myself up of everything. Consistently making my mortgage payments is pride thing. Number one, right? (laughs) Absolutely. But consistently being able to look at myself through the process and seeing me evolving and shaping into the woman I had felt was inside of me all along Mm -hmm. is definitely the biggest and the deepest, I feel like, triumph or joy of this whole evolution. I think that's a great ending spot. (laughs) I mean, seriously, it's, uh, I, I said it before, it's been an absolute honor and you've been incredibly inspirational to me and many women around you watching you go through this journey and evolve into the woman um, we got to have glimpses of, right? And now is fully here, you know? Um, so it's, it, I'm so, thank you for doing this interview with me and inspiring and encouraging so many women out there um, who are gonna hear this for years to come it's recorded everyone's like is there a replay I'm like yes y'all if you're in the group it stays here okay <laughs> that's also terrifying by the way <laughs> right I know right uh, you know hey we're all gonna die one day and it's not gonna <laughs> and then your kids get to watch it you know you know it's enough <laughs> you know we'll focus on other things but yes it's um it's been it's been a pleasure and I'm so grateful for your friendship and this interview so thank you friend and thank you so so much where can people find you now that you're back in action with copy and messaging strategy and genius and all the things so again I have a w2 so availability is built around but I do still wait which means you're highly sought after and you're only selecting certain clients. <laughs> it also means that I have tested my theory with hundreds of thousands of dollars of other people's money. And I was right. And so I am <laughs> much more confident. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Brittany Holt Morgan um, on Facebook is my primary platform because I can be the most myself. Um, so again, no, it's not the coolest of platform, but it's my favorite. So that's where you can find me most easily. As far as offerings, I do have a um, copy and messaging framework. I really need to get better at selling myself. Um, but so I have VIP day and then I have one-to-one strategy calls. Basically my version of my secret sauce, I help you with the words to describe what you do. 
but the magic is in me connecting the words that describe what you do with who you are as a business owner. That's where I've always felt like I shined. What I have now that I did not have before is again, a depth of understanding of digital marketing strategy and framework um, that came from my agency and consulting days to help you actually take those kind of amorphous things, build them into funnels and systems that actually reintegrate your audience into buying from you so that you no longer are confined to like a workshop here, a freebie here, and audience members living in different silos. I can help you with the words to get all of your people all in one place and all of them on the path to your one-to-one high touch, high ticket, high transformation offers. Wow. And if y'all were listening, life is unexpected. So whether you're not in a traumatic or toxic relationship and you're in a marriage and you're just weathering a storm, that still makes it challenging to run a business consistently. It still pulls at your energy. Um, So systems, scaling, CEO, all of those, the fun words that Brittany threw out there throughout this that I am literally listing because I have no more words left in me. (laughs) Do the things that don't require you to be all things to all people all the time. Stop wearing all of the hats. So, all right, lady, you're amazing. Love you. Thank you again. Bye. Bye.